be a seasoned Christian. I don't think, you know, back in the day, we were able to say the books of the Bible easier because we use the physical Bible and we use, we have to handle it. You know, we, we handle it. And so we were able to know where the books of the Bible are found. Now, if I tell you to look for Jonah, you're going to say, Jonah, where did I find that? You, know, you got to think. And then you probably just go to the table of contents now and just look for, where's Jonah? Okay, let me turn over there. And you don't realize that, um, you know, you got to go through and learn where uh, the, the scriptures are positioned so you can know the books of the Bible. Amen. We're a teaching church and we want you to learn. Stand with me, if you will. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. I have a word from the Lord this morning. And I believe that God will tell you, talk to you, and help you um, to receive something. Something he wants to say to you today. And so we will go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. We're going to do a lot of reading. So we're going to read from verse 3 through verse 16. So if I don't preach good, you'll say, well, I read a lot of word. <laughs> All right. Second Kings chapter 7 will begin in verse 3. I think we need to do this together. And so I'm going to read and then you read. Then I'm going to read again and you read. And we'll do that up to 16. And when we get to 16, everybody reads verse 16. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Good to see you, Miss Lori Bain. Nice surprise. Amen. I just like surprises. Jesus keep on surprising me in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Verse 3 says, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? You read. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. Then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tithing, 
and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. And he called the porters, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what your men have done to us. They know that your king, therefore are they gone out of the camp by themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitudes of the Israelites that are consumed, and let us send them, and let us send and see. And they went and they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and the of the so measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measure of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word has already been established. And we pray that now the hearts of your people will be open and the word of the Lord will be transmitted. The preaching of the word will change their life, will give them direction, will mold them and make them. I pray that somebody will hear the word of the Lord and will abide, will obey the word of God today. Jesus, you've already done some great things among us this morning, but we're hungry for more. We're desperate for more. We're desiring more. Now we ask, Lord, that you will show up and show out in a special way and that God, hearts will change. Lives will change. People, oh God, will hear what the Spirit is saying and obey it. Father, use me as your oracle and anoint me as the voice of God right now. And I pray, Father, that I will rightly divide the word of truth to please you and to do your will. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to entitle this message this morning what the Lord asked me this morning. Last week, I'm going to ask you. Jesus asked me this question when I was getting dressed last week. And this was the question. What is your alternative? He asked me that question last week. What is your alternative? And so I remember standing there and doing what I do on Sunday mornings. I got in the mirror and I'm getting dressed and I'm fixing everything up. Brother Wayman, good to see you this morning. And I'm getting everything together and I'm fixing up myself. And, and, you know, the, the thought is just in your mind like, man, we've been having church now for two years almost. 
yes, I've been going to church for 20 years, but we, we've been having church. We've been doing church. Uh, we've established Christ-centered church for almost two years now. And so as I'm getting dressed, and uh, the good news was I didn't have to preach last week. Uh, we had a great preacher, and he ministered to us. But I was just thinking about, man, you're telling me I have to preach for the rest of my life? I have to go to church for the rest of my life and do what I'm supposed to do, teach Bible study, preach sermons, be a blessing to the congregation, love them, and do everything that you want me to do. I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life? That's what I asked in my mind. And he responded back and said, what is your alternative? I just smiled because we were just having a discussion, me and, me and the Lord. I smiled because he's so wise. God is so full of wisdom. He is wisdom. And so you can have the most complicated that you think it's the most complicated question. You can think you have the worst situation and how is this ever going to work? And all of a sudden, if you will just ask God and sincere about it, just ask him like, Lord, what is this all about? This is you know, difficult. I don't understand. And why? And if you would just ask him, God will speak back to you. And I said, Lord, I'm going to be doing this all my life. And he said, what is your alternative? Not that I didn't want to do this all my life. Don't get me wrong. I love the Lord and I want to serve him all my life. It's just, I guess that was probably the human side of me, just like you have it. And it's sometimes you ask yourself the question, my goodness, Am I going to be doing this? And, and, and sometimes you just want to do something different. Somebody say amen. amen. And so you're thinking about doing something different. But, but here's the thing I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to start, mess with, start messing with you before I start preaching. I probably just put our, all of our issues in a nutshell. Right what I just said. Because all of us face the same things. The Bible says Elijah was a man of like passion as us. And so we read about these miraculous things that God used Elijah to do, and somehow we think that Elijah was just different. God is no respecter of persons. And so he has made us all equal. And so what makes Elijah any different from you or me? And there's no difference. Here's the difference, though. When I start thinking about Am I going to be doing this for the rest of my life? You're going to be thinking the same thing with different things of God in your life. Am I going to be doing this? And the difference will be with all of us. Some will say, yeah, Lord, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And some will say, well, let me just do me a little bit sometimes. That's the difference. And unfortunately, the ones that say, let me do me a little bit sometimes, when life gets crazy, then you start talking about the ones that's, that made the opposite decision than, that you made. And you think, and, and what you're saying is they had something special. There was something just, just that they had in their DNA. Their upbringing was just a little bit different than mine. And that's why they're able to keep going. Not true. They felt just like you felt. They had the same pull like you had. They had the same things challenging them like you did. But they chose to continue to follow the ways of God. And you decided you need to take a break. So 1 Kings. We read from verse 3 through verse 16. And there was a lot going on there. I don't know if it was going in your spirit as you was reading it. You were understanding it as you were reading it. But I'm going to help you this morning to understand exactly 
what you just read, what went into your hearing, and make sense of it for you. So when you leave here today, you will be able to put this whole story together. So here is the setting of what you just read. Uh, for those of you that don't kind of understand the Eastern, the Middle Eastern way and Eastern way of how things are laid out and how Israel is situated. Um, what we had there was the city of Samaria, a city of Samaria, and it was walled around it, wall around the city. The wall was around Jerusalem, right? The wall was around Jericho. And so you get this setting of when you go in the Middle East, there are, there are cities where the, they're walled in. And so the city is walled in. So Samaria was walled in. And all the Israelites was in Samaria. And they're in Samaria and they're, you know, doing their thing, enjoying life, being godly and everything like that. And so their enemies, if their enemies was going to besiege, which is what the Syrians did, if their enemy was going to besiege them, you didn't have to go right in the city right away. All you had to do was kind of be on the outskirts of the walls of that city and surround it. So you will have them captured in. They would be, you know, uh, not able to leave out of their city. And so this is what you have. Samaria walled in and then the Syrians all around it have built up their uh, place of dwelling all around Samaria. And so if the Samaritans, which uh, they were still the people of God, if they wanted to leave out, they would have to go through the army of Syria. And Syria was trying to capture them. Now, with the wall around the city, the other thing that you have is a gate, big gate. And so the way you get out, gate open up, and there's a man or a couple men at the gate that opens it up. You leave out, opens up, you come in. And so that's how you get in and out of the city. It's not like, you know, we think a city, we think a trend. You just walk in and walk out. No. Back then, the cities, you're walled in. You can't just leave and come in whenever you want. There is watch going on. That's how you hear about the watchmen on the wall, because cities were walled in. And so here they are walled in, and now there's a famine inside of that city. How do they get food? How do they get food to come in? Can't come in, because Syria now has them surrounded, and they can't get any food. And so that's what you're looking at. This was prophesied by the Lord's prophet. And so now there's a famine and they're in the city and they, they ran out of food. And I can go a little deep and tell you, if you read real closely in the chapter before that, you'll see that people, women, started eating their children. Now, that's the Bible. And so they started eating their children because of the famine. And so they're starving and they're trying to figure out what to eat. That's why when you read about the horses, uh, when they said, Get some of the horses and chariot and go. They only had five left because obviously they had to kill those animals and eat them too because there's famine. And all of us say, ooh, well, you be in that situation and see what you're going to do. And so here they are. Now, let's talk about the four lepers. The four lepers, they could not live in the city because when you had leprosy, it's, it, it's, you, you can pass it on. And so they, they, they had leprosy, and what they did in Israel, if you had leprosy, you had to be kind of outside of the city. So outside of that wall was a little hut. I didn't say house, a little hut, where the lepers would stay. 
And so how the lepers got fed was people from the city may just throw them a little bit of something here, a little bit of something there, because nobody wanted to get close to them because they didn't want to um, attract the, the, the leprosy disease. And so they were being fed by people from the city, but no one got close to them. Nobody could get close to them because nobody didn't want to get leprosy. And so now you have the setting of the city in, in starvation. The city um, can't go out and get food. And now you have these four lepers. That's a part of that community, but they have to be on the outside. They can't go and get any food because the Syrians is ready for them. If they go out, the Syrians would kill them and eventually take over their city. And that was the end goal. But the Syrian was out waiting for them. So these lepers now, can I tell you something about leprosy? It's strange. Let me say this before I tell you something about leprosy. It's strange that if you had the symptoms of leprosy, it wasn't required that you went to a doctor to see if you had leprosy or not. It was required that you go to the priest's and find out if those symptoms are leprosy or not. And I found it pretty strange that if you're sick, don't you go and see a physician? Well, that's not how it was set up. Because God is always trying to show us some typologies. And leprosy is like sin. Oh, help me somebody. Sin, or should I say leprosy, separates you from God and his people. I just gave you the proof. The leprosy, the people, the lepers were not able to be among the people that didn't have leprosy. The leper didn't have the right to go to the priest unless they were cured. The lepers didn't have the right to do anything because of their sickness. Sin is a disease. It's a sickness. And so when sin is in your life and has control of you, you're not able to commune with God. You're not able to go and mingle with the people of God. Because even though, as we can see physically that you're mingling, you feel a little detached within yourself. You know that. Well, we're not doing right. We get among people that's doing right. We don't feel attached. We, we feel disconnected because leprosy, sin, does the same thing. And so here are these four lepers unattached or not able to mingle and they're cast out and, 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 and they're not able to, to do uh, like everybody did. They, they're not citizens. They're not a, official citizens. That's, that's a part of that city. And so we're looking at these lepers. And so they say, they ask themselves, why sit we here until we die? We've heard this so many times, and it's so, it's so apropos to what we're going to talk about here today. Why sit we here until we die? They realized they had a disease that was incurable. And they realized their situation was bad. Maybe we don't realize 
when we are filled with sin and when sin has control of our lives, maybe we don't realize that our situation is really bad. Why is it only when we get to stage four cancer that we really realize our situation is bad? Why is it when we get to stage four sin is when we realize our situation is really bad? God has sent me here to tell you this morning that your leprosy shouldn't have to get to stage four for you to acknowledge it and say, God, if I stay right here, I'm I'm going to die because of this sickness, this leprosy that is in my life. Leprosy is eating up my body. And what we do is once I can't see it, as long as I can't see it, all right, I don't pay too much attention to it, especially men. At least sometimes the women, they will try to, you know, check stuff out. But brothers, if I don't see, if I don't see anything, I'm good. If I'm not being affected, I'm good. If I'm not getting weak, I'm good. So, brothers, that tells you a lot about the men. Men do things with their sight. Women do things with their emotion. Can't get away from that. Oh, Lord, I can't go down that road. Oh, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to mess with my wife. I want my house to be all right. I don't want her to side eye me later on and say, was that for me? No, let me leave that alone. Let me leave that alone. Let me leave that alone. Men see with their eyes. Eyes do stuff for men and emotion do stuff for women. And so men, let me say it a nice way. Men, if we're going to deal with women, we're going to have to deal with emotions. We can't get frustrated with emotion. There's no other way to deal with women. You got to learn how to deal with your emotion. If their emotion is going to drive you crazy, then you're going to have a hard time keeping a woman. Let me squeeze in on this one. Men, women. What did I just tell you about what the men do? Show them something. Don't show everybody. Just show your man, your husband. Just show him what you need to show him. But he, he, he does stuff by seeing with his own eyes. So show him something. And man, when she get all emotional, don't get frustrated. Just sit there and say, God, help me to handle this, frust- this, this emotional thing. That's how it works. And if we're going to be successful at relationships, male and female, that's the best way to come at it. And so they say, why sit ye here? Until we die. We've got leprosy. We're hungry. We're starving. We're going to die if we stay in this hut. There's nobody coming out of that city to feed us anything because they have nothing to give us. They're eating their children inside that city. So if I stay right here in this hut, I am dead as the dead in the graveyard. And so they realize if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go... The Syrians, our enemies, probably going to kill us anyway. But here's my question this morning to everybody. What if they don't kill you? What if the move that you make don't kill you? What if somehow you leave your position of where you know I'm dead as a doornail? What if you just get enough courage to say, I know I'm dead. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm done. I have no chance. If I keep living the way I'm living, I'm done. I have no chance. But what if I leave this place 
and do something different. And we stay in the place because what cripple us is, well, if I go, probably the same thing. And we never make the move. We never make the move because we're worried about staying in the place where we're comfortable. We're worrying about, you know what? I'm going to dead and then we convince ourselves that if I go, I'm going to die anyway. So let me just stay in the place of comfort. Let me just stay in the place that I recognize. Let me stay in the place that I'm used to. Let me stay in the place that I'm always understanding. But nobody is saying, nah, man, nah, girl, I'm going to try something different. I'm going to die anyway. I got leprosy eating me up. It can't be cured unless something miraculous happens. Some people are smart enough to know when I'm desperate, I need to do something. I need to do something different. But somehow we're not convinced we're desperate. I pray all the time. I say, God, I'm desperate for you. I don't care how good life is going. I don't know about you, but my life could be good. And I can be on a uh, great vacation, money in my pocket and all this stuff. And I'm still saying, God, I'm desperate for you because I know it doesn't matter how good life is on this earth. If I don't have Jesus, I am going to die. I am going to leave this place and where I'm going will not be a good place. So what was their alternative? I I like how God is just so smooth because the bottom line is God created us and gave us choice. But do you really have a choice? (laughs) Oh, Jesus, you are so, so smart. He gave us choice. He wanted us to have choice. But do you have a choice? I'm not telling you you don't have a choice. You really can make a choice. But if you're going to be smart and really lock in on what God's intention and purpose is for you, do you really have a choice? And so the question is, what is your alternative? What is your alternative? Try and get something to eat or stay right in that hut and die of starvation. And today I want to ask you in this church today, what is your alternative? Keep being who you are and doing what you want to do or do something different. Hmm. That leprosy is eating us up. And I have to tell you, if you stay where you are, you will not be able to receive a miracle. If you keep living the way you're living, you will not be able to receive your miracle. All of us are saying, God, I want me a miracle. God, I want you to do something in my life. God, I need you to help me. But we stay right in that hut with our leprosy. There's no way you're getting that miracle. You think of everybody that received a miracle from God. When blind Bartimaeus saw Jesus, he says, Jesus, thou son of David. And he was trying to get there. And people are saying, no, 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 no. Hold him back. Don't let him get to the master. And he was just like, you better get out my way. I'm trying to get to the master. I've never read in the book where somebody, they wanted a miracle and they just was just chilled. 
There was a man that was sick and he had some friends that realized if we don't get him a miracle, he's going to die. What did they do? They tried to get into church and the church was crowded. They couldn't get in the door and they climbed up on the roof and they opened up the We can't get miracles by staying in that hut and staying where we are. We can't get God to move if we're just going to live the same way. We can talk about the lepers all we want. They weren't idiots. They might have been sick. They might have been on a place where they was going to die, but they weren't idiots. They sat there and said, listen, we've done it. We stay here no matter what. What are we going to do? What do we have to lose? Living for God, you have everything to gain. And nothing to lose. When you live for God, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. I don't know why we think we're going to lose something living for God. The devil has tricked your mind in telling you you're going to lose something if you serve God. I've told you how the devil works. How does the devil work? Let's pretend there was one million trees in the garden when God created Adam and Eve. Let's pretend one million One million trees in the garden. And God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat 999,000. You can eat from 999,000 trees. But you can't eat with one. You can't eat off of one tree. One million trees. You can eat off of 999,000. Just one you can't eat off. Who wouldn't take that deal? Anybody in here would say, nah, I want all, all one million. Who, who, who wouldn't take that deal? Everybody going to take that deal, right? I'm going to eat off all the 999,000 and the one you said I can't eat, that's cool, God. I'm cool with that. I, I don't need all a million. You laugh and that sound, you know, we're good. Here's the problem. Satan came in and says, God said you can't eat of all the trees. Listen to how that sound. Come on, we got to get smart. Listen to how that sound. God said you can't eat all the trees. When God said you can eat of 999,000 trees except one, the devil always twisted. And so all of us always thinking that we're going to lose something in serving God. That's something that the devil has planted in your mind to make you think, if I ever live for God, there's things I'm going to lose when it's only a trick of the devil. Oh, I'm going to lose something. I'm going to lose something. What is your alternative? You think you're going to lose something. Man, if I go to church today, I'm going to miss out on what? I'm just going to stay home today. Man, I I admire all of you that are here today because all of us know when the sun don't come out and it's raining, the only thing to do is stay in the bed. (laughs) Let's not play games there. When you roll over and it's dreary, rain coming down, no sun, you just want to roll back over. So I commend you for getting out of your bed and getting yourself together and being here this morning. I commend you. God bless you. But if you stayed there, what was you going to gain? What was you going to gain? 
just laying in that bed this morning, what were you going to gain? And some of us want to say, I'll get a little bit more sleep. I want to be rested for the week. And that ain't true because you're going to stay up late doing something later on. So you really never get your rest. But you're going to tell yourself that, oh, yeah, let me get some rest. And so we justify while we make the decision. What do you have to lose to serve the Lord? What do you have to lose? What is your alternative? Just like the Lord asked me last Sunday. What is your alternative? I, I just heard the, the smirk in the Lord's voice. Oh, that's just me and the Lord. And so I'm there getting dressed, and I'm just like, man, God, for the rest of my life, huh? I've got to be doing this, getting dressed every Sunday and going to church. He said, what is your alternative? Smirking. <laughs> Smirking. Like, <laughs> you're crazy, Wayne. You think you got some other choice? You think you got another alternative? Let me know if you got one. And I quickly said, oh, I know I don't have none. No, I don't. I know I don't. Ha- I don't have another alternative. You may decide to have another one. I don't have another alternative. I tell you all the time. Thank God that I made it. I escaped the world. I escaped the world. And I laugh all the time. Wait a minute. The world was good. I enjoyed myself, but I escaped that world. And I always tell you, I'll put my resume up next to anybody's resume when it come on to enjoying the world. Man, I'll, please. You come on, let me know what you did, and I'll tell you what I did. Because we'll, 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 I'll let you know, I enjoyed it. But I realized I had leprosy. I realized I had a disease that was going to make me feel good, but it sooner or later was going to wreck me. I realized it. When God started working on my heart, man, I started having dreams that the rapture came and I missed it. Oh, Lord Jesus. And no, no, no. I'm not missing this rapture. I'm not missing God returning for his people. And man, I got myself together. I said, I got to make sure I don't miss this thing. What is your alternative? What will you lose by giving your life to Christ? What will you lose by obeying the word of God? What will you lose by coming to church regularly? What will you lose to be holy and righteous? What will you lose to read your Bible every day and to pray? What will you lose to love people? Absolutely nothing. If you think you're losing something by coming to church, it's a trick of the devil. If you think you're losing something by going to prayer meetings, it's a trick of the devil. If you think you're losing something by praying every day, it's a trick of the devil. Because you're losing nothing to give your life to God. You're losing nothing to do the things of God. But if you don't do it, you will lose your life. Your life. What is your alternative? What is your alternative? But if we go and do those things, we might receive a miracle. If we decide to step out and do something other than staying in that hut, we might get a miracle. Your miracle will come when you step out of from where you are. Your miracle will come when you stop living the way you've been living and comfortable with. The miracle will come. 
But you have to make up in your mind, that's not what I'm going to do. I got to do something. I can't be like those, those uh, I got to be like those lepers that says, you know what? What do we have to lose? If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go and look for some food, just maybe, just maybe, somebody will be merciful to us and give us something. Just maybe. Listen to this. You can live your life with leprosy seeking your own pleasures. Or you can live a life unto Christ seeking his pleasure. You can live your life with leprosy seeking your own pleasures. Doing what you like. Doing what pleases you. Or you can live your life unto Christ seeking Christ's pleasures. It's up to you. Can I tell you a little secret too? Outside of those two, let me tell you what's in between. Misery and frustration. All right. All right. I see your face is saying, what do you mean? Here's the alternatives. And you tell me if you have alternatives or an alternative. You can live your life with leprosy, sin. You can live your life with sin in your life, just eating you up. And you're saying, I know it's eating me up, but you know what? I'm just going to keep on seeking my own pleasures. I'm just going to do what I like. And since I'm going to die anyway, let me just do me. You can live that life if you want because you have that choice. God gave you the power of choice when he created you. So you can live that life. Or you can live a life unto Christ, seeking Christ's pleasures, which will end up bringing you pleasures. But you just don't know it yet because you haven't taken a step out of the hut. But if you don't do either of those two, try to live a little bit for Christ. Try to live a little bit for me. Try to live a little bit for Christ. Try to live a little bit for me. Guess what happened? Misery and frustration happens in that one. <laughs> when, you find, when you dip and dab in your stuff, and then you come to church on Sunday mornings, you feel so bad that you can't even praise God. You feel so bad that you can't get it together. And so, guess what? The same way you came in is the same way you left because you felt so bad because of living in between. So you're just always frustrated. You're just always in, in turmoil and in flux because you just, one minute you feel like, okay, I'm doing me. Next minute I'm trying to do God. But every time you try to do for God, you just always feel convicted. And then the devil come and whisper in your ears, what you raising your hands for anyway? What you're praying for anyway? You ain't changing. You're leaving out of those doors and go do what you always done. That's what the devil tells you. So are you going to live in between and be frustrated? Or are you going to decide, you know what? I'm going to live with leprosy and please me. Or are you going to live with the one alternative you have for Jesus Christ? I think about that. Y'all ain't know what I was going to preach this morning, huh? I didn't know what I was going to preach this morning either. The Lord told me what to preach. And so we have to start becoming like the lepers now. We have to start thinking like the lepers. Why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? Because if we stay here, we're going to die. But if we go, let me tell you something. You know what's amazing? The king of Israel, when the lepers broke from the hut outside of the city, the city gates, they left the hut, and they started going towards their enemy's camp, Syria. 
when they started going towards it and they started getting closer, the Bible said they went in the twilight hour, which is late evening. And so as they got closer and they got close, they realized their enemy's camp was vacated. They're saying, oh, what's going on here? And we read in the scripture, the miracle started already. God caused the people that was their enemy to hear chariots and horses and swords and, 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 and soldiers coming. He caused them to hear that. And so the enemy of Israel, who was Syria, ran from their own camp and left everything. Gold, silver, food, animals, everything. But nobody knew that in Israel. Not the king, not the king's men, only those four lepers. I'm here to tell you this morning, you may be a leper, but God will help you to change your city if you will make a move towards him. You may be a leper, but God will use you to change your family. You may be a leper, but God will use you to change the history of man. You could be a leper, but God will use you to do something that nobody thought you could do. God used those lepers to bring the miracle to Israel. The people that they rejected. You see how good God is? I always tell you, anytime you hear a preacher preaching about the wrong, he better preach about the right. And I just told you about being a leper, and I know that we don't want to hear that, but it's okay. I'm going to tell you how not to be a leper. Right? And so God can use any one of us, but it's not predicated on you staying in leprosy, staying in that hut and enjoying your little life. He wants to do something, but you got to step out. You got to get out from where you are. You can't keep doing what you've always done. You got to step out from where you are so God can use you to bring that miracle to your family, to bring that miracle to your church, to bring that miracle to your city. I'm telling you, God wants to do something in somebody's life this morning. God told me this morning in this church that somebody is getting ready to make a decision. And what God wanted you to know is, do you really have an alternative? You don't have an alternative whatsoever you are pondering. God sent me here to tell you this morning, you do not have an alternative. If you want to think you have one, it's going to destroy you. You can't make that choice that you think you have. It's not a choice for you to make. The devil allow it to hang out there, but God says you don't have an alternative. You don't have it. Now, if you think you got it, you're going to disobey God. When they went to the camp, the lepers went to the camp and realized the Syrians had fled. They said, this can't be real. This can't be real. God did a miracle. Didn't God say, and this is another scripture where we can use this. God says, I will cause your enemy to bless you don't know how he's going to do it but he can do it and Syria was his enemy was the enemy of Israel but God caused them to hear some noise like they were being attacked and the noise sounded like it was so many people and soldiers coming that they could not withstand the attack so they ran and left gold and left silver and left food and left chariots and left everything 
and the four lepers went in. Why? Can you imagine some starving, hungry lepers went in and saw food? I can't. Oh, man. I know they committed gluttony that day. And you know what? The Lord forgave them real quick because they just, their eyes probably just came out of their heads like, you got to be kidding me. And they just ate like they were crazy. Then as they ate and ate and ate, they said, ho, 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 ho. If we do this and we don't tell the king of Israel, we're going to be in trouble. Because even though we weren't in the city, we're still a part of them. We just can't be in the city because, you know, we got this leprosy. And so they said, we better go tell them. And they hid a little bit of their stuff. You know, they got their own stash. That's how we do. Not mad at the lepers. So they got a little stash, right? And they took their own thing and stashed it, ate what they needed to eat. Then they went back to the city and told the king. When they told the king, the king says, and call his people. The Bible says um, there's safety in a multitude of counsel. And so the king got the word that the Syrians fled. And their camp is like empty, desolate, and have everything there, all the food. And so the king sat there, brought his people in and says, I think this is a trick. We pray for stuff. God start doing the work. And we just silly talking about, this is a trick. Where's, where's your faith? Where's your faith? If this is a trick. Praying, praying. Remember, remember when they were praying that um, um, Peter would be let out of prison? They praying, praying. Had the prayer meeting. They got so caught up praying so hard, Peter knocked on the door. Huh? Okay, lock him out. Like your answer to prayer is at the door, and you didn't even realize it. We're praying and asking God, and when God make the move, we don't realize it because we're too busy enjoying ourselves, and so. The king said, I think this is a trick. So here's what you got to do. Take the last five horses we got and kind of, you know, go over there, scout out the place and see if that's really true because this is a trick. And so they went in, they looked, and they realized, my goodness, it's really true. The place has everything. We Everything we need, all the food we need. And... They finally got everybody in, and they got the food, and they got everything, and they brought it back to their camp. But how did that happen? It wasn't the priests. It wasn't the king. It wasn't the pastor. It wasn't the minister. It wasn't the usher. It wasn't the Sunday school teacher. It was the people that was talked about and rejected and ridiculed and say you had no hope and you will never make it, go sit outside and die. And people have said that about some of us in here, you don't matter, you will never be anything, you can never accomplish anything, you will never go anywhere, but I'm here to tell you with God all things are possible if you will just take a step of faith and you will come out of your comfort zone, if you will just get out of from where you are and stop making yourself always feel like Oh, I got to just do what I got to do. Why don't you take a step out of that hut? Why don't you get out of that situation and walk towards God? If you keep sitting there, you have no hope. Remember, the lepers 
Here's the revelation. The lepers were a part of the family of God, but they never dealt with their sickness. There are people that have given their life to God, but if that sickness called leprosy, sin, is reigning in your life, you can sit here, look apart, but you may not be apart. So it's dealing with us directly. It's not about our pretty clothes. It's not about just coming in and fitting in. It's not about, you know, I lift my hands. It's about you knowing you have leprosy eating away at you. When you go home and you take your clothes off and you had leprosy, you knew you had leprosy. And when we have sin in our life, nobody got to tell you if you got it. You don't need the preacher to tell you. You don't need nobody to tell you. You need to look at yourself and say, I know I got some stuff wrong with me. And I can't keep living like this. Because if I keep living like this, I'm going to die like this. And God didn't create me to die and be away from him. God created me to live and have eternal life. That's what he created me for. That's what God created us for. And leprosy can't stop you. Now listen to this, because I'm closing. Check this out. The only way leprosy could be cured or healed was only by a miraculous working of God. There was no cure for leprosy. You know who had leprosy? Naaman. Naaman was a leper. And so... In case you don't know, Naaman was this, the head of this, 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 this Taliban, <laughs> for lack of better words. <laughs> an army, an army, okay? Just, just, just throw it in there, okay? Just, just, just army, okay? And so Naaman had leprosy. And so he had a maid that was working in his house, and the maid said, Naaman, go see the prophet Elijah, and he will help you get healed from your leprosy. Only God, only a miracle working God can heal the disease that is incurable. And so Naaman went to the prophet Elijah. He went to the prophet Elijah. Um, wait a minute. He went, right? And the prophet said, listen, I want you to go on the Jordan River and dip seven times. Now, I've been where the Jordan River is. It's muddy and dirty. You can't look. You can't see the bottom. Is I mean, it's dirty water, dirty water, dirty water. And the prophet told Naaman, the leader of this great army, go dip seven times in the Jordan. He looked at the prophet and said, you ain't talking about me. And I'm not doing that. And he did a pimp walk and left. <laughs> he ain't talking about me. So he left. When he went back home, guess what? Got to take your clothes off. Got to get naked before you and God. Nobody else, just you and God. And he realized leprosy still eating him up. Ah, just eating him up. He knew he didn't have it much to live. He went back. Prophet, what you say I got to do? <laughs> Daryl over here cracking up. Daryl cracking up. You got to hear Daryl laugh. This is how Daryl laugh in church. <laughs> oh, you can see his body shaking, but you, and you hear him. <laughs> he's not cracking up like outwardly, but, but, but. So he went to the prophet and said, what do you say now, prophet? And so he went to the prophet, and the prophet said, you have to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. He dipped in the Jordan River seven times, and he was healed. Look at how God does things. 
if Naaman stayed in his house and said, I'm not going anywhere, what was going to happen? If the four lepers stayed in their hut and says, I'm not going anywhere, what would have happened? God wants to do miracles in your life. God wants to do things in your life. But it can only happen if you will get up and move out and say, God, I'm coming towards you. I'm coming to you and you tell me what I got to do for me to be healed. And so let's break it down to this. Spiritually. Sin, leprosy. You can only get rid of sin miraculously. Same story. God don't change up on us. That's what the Bible says. I'm God and I change not. I'm the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so, if you have leprosy, sin in your life, the way you handle that is you go to church. Remember I made the point when I started? Why was it the priest's that determine if you had leprosy or not. Why wasn't it a physician? Because God always knows what he's doing. Because he knew leprosy is sin. And he knew only the priest can deal with sin. Not the physician. The physician can deal with the physical. But the priest can only deal with the spiritual. And God always knew that leprosy resembles or represents sin. And the only way you can know if you was cleansed and free from sin was because the priest would tell you. And so here we are today. Whatever, doesn't matter what you like. Why sit ye here until we die? If you want to be healed from your leprosy, you're going to have to come to the priest. Baby priest, if you want to call it, you know, whatever priest you want to call it. But God has made us priests. He says we're a royal priesthood. I'm not blaspheming, sorry, I'm not blaspheming. I'm a priest, royal priesthood. And so if leprosy is in your life and you know it, you got to go to the priest and say, priest, what's going on here? I think I got leprosy and priest will tell you if you got leprosy. But the priest also know how to direct you on how to get that miraculous cure. Because it's not God intent that you live with leprosy and die. And so today, if you're here and you have leprosy in your life, and you want to get God to do a miracle in your life, what you have to do is go. Get out of your hut. Get out of your space of where you've been staying and step out and get your miracle. God wants to give you a miracle, and the way you're going to get your miracle is by stepping out. You can't receive your miracle if you stay where you are. Will you stand to your feet today? I'm going to share something else with you as I'm closing. There's some of us that's been living for God for a while. And we're challenged in different ways. But God wanted me to share something with you today. The level that you've been living on is not the level you're supposed to continue on. Listen to me carefully. The level in God that you've been living on is not the level he wants you to continue on. 
And so what we have been challenged with and where we've been getting hurt over the years is this. You stay on any level long enough and you will begin to experience challenges and you'll experience different things. And God wants you to have a breakthrough to the next level he has prepared for you. And here is what you need to understand about the levels that God will take you through. Some of us don't experience the next level because as soon as you're trying to get there, you start experiencing turbulence. You start to experience turbulence. You start to feel like, uh, I'm not in control anymore. And so instead of keep going, you back up. And so you never get to break through to the next level because you get uncomfortable and you get fearful when you start to experience extreme turbulence. God wants me to let you know this morning, if you're going to break through and get to the next level, when you start experiencing the shaking and the moving and the bounce, that's how it is when you're in an airplane and you get real turbulence. It's, uh, 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 you're like, my goodness. When you start to experience that, God wants you to know that you got to press forward even more. Somehow when we experience that, all we want to do is curl up. Oh, please stop. And God wants me to tell you, no, don't curl up and say, please stop. You know then that you're on your way someplace else. He wants you to push through. Push through. Remember this. When turbulence happens while you're flying, the way they beat turbulence, Daryl, is to go higher. They never go lower. Turbulence is always getting a plane, and so you're on one level doing this, and, and you're like, my goodness. And what the pilot normally does, nose up, and he goes up further. Every level will have some challenges, but it's not God's intent for you to stay at that level. God wants you to continue to have breakthroughs, breakthroughs. And while we get challenges, we stay in one. Can I tell you this? Whatsoever is not growing is dying. If you're not growing, if you're not experiencing breakthrough, if you're not pushing through, you're dying. The level that you are at, sooner or later, you will begin to go lower and lower. Remember this, and I don't want to take any more of your time. Remember this. Some smart people in here so they know what I'm talking about. Remember when the Wrights brothers was trying to create the airplane and they were trying to get the fly. They would start off low and they would try to go. They would try to go and they just couldn't get up high. And, you know, for one time before the plane really started going, you know, the longest flight, <laughs> they call it a flight. The longest flight was like, what is it, 39 minutes or something like that or 25 minutes, something, 25, I believe. The longest flight when they were trying to create airplanes was 25 minutes and it didn't get up high because when you're trying to get up high to the next level you're going to experience shaking 
you're going to experience. And, the, and, and, and you have been made, Holy Ghost, you have been made to endure any kind of turbulence that can ever come your way. The Wright's brothers had to worry about the plane falling apart. They had to worry about, did I build that plane properly enough that when it begins to experience turbulence, it will last or it will fall apart. But God has built us that when we experience turbulence, we will not fall apart. All you have to do is keep pushing. And guess what? There comes a time where you feel like you're losing control when you're pushing. Guess what? Just lose control. When I first came to church, it took me a long time to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and talk in tongues because I didn't want to lose control. When I came to church, it took me a long time to live for God the right way because I didn't want to lose control. I needed to maintain control. And all of us in here feel like we need to maintain control. But when you're in control, it means God is not in control. Only time God is in control is when you're not in control. If we're going to soar, if we're going to become what God wants us to, if we're not going to stay in that same predicament of, of being the lepers and just living to please our own self and dying right where we are, then we need to let God have control. And so I'm going to give you just five minutes that if you can come to the altar and I want you to pray that God will give you the strength, that God will give you the courage to get up from out of where you are. And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about how you're living. Ask God to get you up out of where you're living, how you're living, so you don't sit there and die. But you will get up out of your leprosy. You will get up out of that life and say, God, I am going to do what it takes because I'm not going to just sit here and die. I'm not just going to sit here and die because I'm going to die if I keep doing and keep living the same way. But if I will give you a chance to do a miracle in my life, then there's a possibility I can inherit eternal life. All heads bow, all eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray this morning, this afternoon, for each and every person that have taken the step. Oh, oh. God is going to give somebody a miracle in here today. If you took that step of faith and got out of that hut and say, I'm no longer going to live in this, in this leprosy state. God is going to give you a miracle. God is going to give you a miracle. Let God give you a miracle today. God, I want you to testify unto the world when you receive your miracle. That God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's a miracle coming your way. There's a miracle coming. God said you stepped out. And there's a miracle. God is getting ready to do a miracle.